0: Thank you, platform workers and musicians. We have our brother Corey coming, the minister of the gospel. Let's give him a warm welcome this evening. Thank you.
1: He said it was already on. There we go. So I'd like to thank you guys for uh, everyone that's here tonight. and uh, It's really appreciated. Um, I want to be the same without people in here. Um, in thinking of what to preach, um, I had a couple different things that i have been working on for a little while. Um, Ironically, uh, Steve already knows this, but one of them was actually the power of words that I've been toying over for a while. I didn't decide to go with that. Um, I think God uh, was helping me decide at one level or another, and um, it is definitely uh, something that's worth listening to when you uh, even are pushed towards preaching something that might even be uncomfortable for yourself, Um, but sometimes that's what God calls us to do. Um, The title of this sermon, um, not to be confused with football, but is The Offenses and Defense. Because as human beings, each of us, whether we like to admit it or not, we are easily offended, and that's the truth. Um, unfortunately, some of these offenses people will carry for their entire lives. They can't help but hold it in, sometimes bitterly. One of the first situations that I thought of is in the horrific event that a young woman is violated. This type of scenario... Um, Stays with them and sometimes affects their view of every other person they will ever meet forever. But that's not the only way that we can be offended, thankfully. Or, if, I wish it was harder to offend one another, but the truth is that one of the sayings is even those that are offended are used often offend. And sometimes it's our own actions or the actions of another. Sometimes it's even the lack of judgment and we're offended at God because of what he has done or what he has not done. Sometimes it's something that that God has done wrong in our eyes because don't you know your Bible told me you were going to do this. And we then hold it against him, hold it in and become bitter against him. If we look throughout history, there are plenty of offenses that have started sometimes with one person and affected entire nations, entire families, and... Preparing for this sermon, I thought of some of like the classic historical family feuds um, Some of them have even led to bloodshed I thought of just the classic one that first immediately came to mind was the Hatfield and McCoys And then these were two families that literally went back and forth tick for tack Attacking one another In horrific violence to one another I thank God that that's not common as much today but those are not the only type of offenses. There's still yet more. If we even look back in biblical times, the Jews and the Samaritans, because of what had happened hundreds of years ago, all the way up to the time of Jesus, still held it against one another. So much so that they would travel many, many miles out of their way to avoid to go through Samaria, even though it was the much shorter, much more direct, and the fastest route to Jerusalem. The chosen Syria, they made reference to this uh Peripherally, in one of their seasons, I don't remember which one. And even in current history, we have the political sides that would say, if you don't have the right letter in front of your name, there's no way I can be your friend. In fact, they teach one another now to even go as far as to hatred, that you cannot even sit at a diner now if you associate with the wrong political view. I don't care which side of the aisle you sit on, both of them, unfortunately, tend to lean this way, that if you don't agree with me, I can have nothing to do with you. I thank God that the church is not that way. Sometimes it's as simple as a single misspoken word that collides and snowballs into a massive, massive offense. And with today's society, we even try and hang people out to dry. Ruin their entire careers, ruin their entire lives because of potentially just one misspoken word. And there's even other types of offenses, even a husband to a wife or a wife to her husband. That offense can affect far more than just themselves. It can affect the entire household, their children. It can affect their extended family. It can affect others. Even a mother, someone see, or even a father, sees their child treated in a way they don't think is fair. They can be utterly offended in the moment of time. And even sometimes, I know this probably doesn't happen around here, but sometimes at work you might have had an idea that you thought was a great idea that was quickly dismissed, only to be then turned around and presented by someone else as their own and quickly accepted. Even in our customer-driven society, even a customer can be so easily offended, but yet they're not the only one that's affected. They'll tell others and others and others and so on, I say all that to say that we are offended easily, and we are offended often. But the truth is is that we have to process this correctly, that it would not lead to bitterness. And in our church, sometimes there's people that have been offended, they need help. Because sometimes we cannot get over our own offense without the help of another. And that's going to lead me to my main scripture that we're going to read tonight. And that's Hebrews 12, 12 through 17. I included the entirety of this uh, this section on purpose, um, not to cut it short. And this starts from that point where there was someone who's weak that needed help. So, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight the path of your feet so that what is lame may not be Desolate, desolate, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards he wanted to inherit his blessing, I'm sorry, the blessing, he was rejected and he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. In that story of Jacob and Esau, we know that there was quite an offense that eventually came. That's not really the full focus of what I wanted to preach on here. It was actually the first portion of the scripture and it was that when people are offended, sometimes they need help. And throughout history, there has been peacemakers, one country to another, one people to another, that have helped bring others together. The United States has served in this capacity many times to many other nations. And in the Bible, there are far more examples of, of these terrible offenses that would come and just to look at a few because the offenses don't only come from one brother to another they can come from a leader they can come from a follower they can come from a neighbor they can come from any anyone and sometimes there are even some that's offended on the behalf of someone else and one of the stories that I, that I thought of this is just when Moses was first deciding that he was going to do what God had called him to do, he was looking at the treatment of the slaves, the Hebrews that were being just terribly treated. and in midst this, he took that offense and he, he killed a man. He shed the blood of another person. And the unfortunate thing is, is, the very people that he wanted to help now feared him. And he was supposed to help them. And yet he would with God's help. And As I said, we often can't do everything that we ought to do without the help of another. And sometimes that help does come from God. One way or another, it always does. But another example we have you know, in the Bible is that we have King Saul that was anointed by God. That he would be offended simply by a song to David. This later would lead him to do all kinds of crazy things including to throw a spear at the very person uh, that had fought for him, alongside him, conquered for him. And his mind got twisted because he didn't listen to what God had commanded him to do. And I thank God that David gives us an example here, how to properly process offense. Even though Saul pursued him, he had the opportunity in 1 Samuel 15 he said, "Far be it from me to to lay a hand on the Lord's anointed." So he left it in God's hands because those are the right hands to leave the the judgment of each offense. Even throughout history, some of these personal offenses that can become family offenses or nation offenses, if we if they were left in God's hands or if they were left in the right area where they were not propagated throughout many many people, they could have been solved far sooner. One of the family feuds that was very interesting that I read about, I unfortunately didn't write down the names of the people, but it was from the Southwest in the early United States. They had these two families. Um, well, right or wrong, they, they both were well-known for stealing horses and livestock. But So they originally actually worked together. And eventually, a divide grew up between them because one thought that they had stolen from the other. Even though they both were, that's where they came from. That's what they did. And that's why it surprises me that they would be even surprised at all at this. But, but that, first, that event that actually didn't even take place because of someone else who did it led to both these families fighting with one another for many years until they killed every last one of them to the last man. Every last one of them. The entire family line of both families were gone. And this is one of the dangers of this root of bitterness. That the root of bitterness can change our perspective. And it can change it forever. And some of us, we may first uh, think that we may or may not be bitter. But the truth would be told is that when you are asked about a specific situation your heart would wrench and your gut would wrench over it and you immediately would have a strong, profound feeling about the specific situation. I don't know every offense of every person in this place and I honestly don't want to. But, to whatever that situation might have been yours, now, current, or previous, or someday in the future, the root of bitterness sneaks in slowly at first until it takes hold. And sometimes that gets its steep hold in us even with our own pride, saying that I know that I'm right. And that's when sometimes people will hold to these certain things that they'll hold to it for all they're worth and they won't want to give it up. And that's, to me, one of the most obvious examples when we know that, we have, one, have not handed it over to God, and two, that we are holding it against someone. And the interesting thing is, is that oftentimes the offense isn't as extreme as bringing to bloodshed thankfully but that offense many times the person who offended oftentimes doesn't know and yet there's another that we have offended even if you are not a christian yet there is another offense that we have that even even if you don't know we have and and that's that all sin is an offense to god it doesn't matter how big how small doesn't matter when or where Every sin is an offense to God. And on the counterpart here, even though you didn't know it, you were still an offense to God. And given when you, it was brought to our attentions, for those that have, have asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, when it was brought to your attention, you had the opportunity then to make that offense right. But the truth is, he's the one that paid the price to fix our offense against him. And it's one of the most amazing things about the fundamentals of Christianity as a whole is simply that Jesus, who had nothing that he had done wrong, was the one that would pay our price. He's the one that would have bloodshed so that we could be forgiven. I don't know about you, but I know I have not um, sacrificed my own life so that I could help someone else that had offended me. I just, I just haven't gotten that far yet. So, um, hopefully, it will never come to that. But, um, and in the Bible, we also see some of the things that some of these different uh, people they they may have started off right, and in in each one of these situations, and ever in the Bible, when when someone has gone astray, God will do what He will do as far as do to judge them now later or in part or in whole all of it is in God's hands and the truth is if we leave these things in God's hands we need not have a root of bitterness and we need not to remain offended because each one of us it is our choice to remain offended it's inherent within us that we can be offended but it's our choice what to do with it whether it be the smallest thing or the largest it doesn't matter we're the ones that have to choose and some of the other things that were just that amazes me that it's even written down in the Bible but I was thinking of the story of Elisha with the axe head that this man had a borrowed axe head and he feared the result of this what would happen when he told the man that owned it but as a result he asked the man of God for a solution and despite Everything we understand about natural things, God made an axe head float to heal a relationship that was going to be broken. We can even think of Moses later. He would, in going through the wilderness with the children of Israel, you had where he would draw water from a rock, and then another time they would have the bitter waters That water that's meant to bring life couldn't be used at all because of bitterness. And that's also true about a church, is that if there are bitter waters or bitter spirits in a church, it'll affect the church as a whole. It won't just affect one person. Because the truth is that all spirits will, will not remain with themselves, they'll always continue. And God also provided a way to heal the waters, the bitter water, so that it could be useful. To bring to bring provision to his people, he healed even the bitter water. And I know I've heard about it preached before that this is within the offense that that Jesus took on on our behalf. He did it without bitterness. I remember preached on one of the things that he refused is he refused the wine with the gall, and literally the 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 gall is a bitter root, but it dulls the pain. So he not only took on our offense, but he did it without bitterness and without dulling the pain. He took it all on himself so that we could have our own opportunity to come back in relation to mend the relationship that was torn from the original sin until now. Each one of us have that opportunity because of what he paid for us. And speaking of all of us that are affected together in 1 Corinthians 12:26 it says and if one member suffers all the members suffer with it and if one member is honored all the other all are all the members rejoice with it this is speaking of the body of Christ and and we're in that body here the church of believers that come together in fellowship with one another because that's that's it that's that's what a church really is far beyond just the four walls or however many walls are in this building because it's really difficult to draw, in case you guys didn't know. Um, (laughs) That's an aside joke for Brian because I've been working on some of the floor plans. But aside from the physical place, the church itself is truly the people. You know, in our Bible study, we even talked about this recently, that the, the people, that's, that's who the church really is because even if we were to meet together on the lawn, we would still be having church. We'd still be coming together. And that and that group of believers is what we want to have the right spirit and the right heart because there'll be people that come through the door that are weak and weary that would be easily hurt if we were bitter. There's people that will be in great need no matter what point in their salvation they may be, there'll come a time where they need the help of another person. And we need to be able to listen to God and hear from Him so that we're able to help others in that time of need. Because our God's a God that provides, and He provides people in the right time and the right place. And He also helps to provide people that can help us heal from our offenses and our bitterness. Because each one of us, if we don't, the consequence can be dire, not just for ourselves, but for many others. And I know Steve mentioned, you know, the effect of words that they had on these children. And when we're talking about new converts, when we're talking about people that are simply young in Christ, those people, the most vulnerable people who God himself cries out for and has fought for them to come to this place, far be it from us, that we would be the ones that would create an atmosphere that would not allow them to grow here. Because I want to invite all kinds into this place, young and old, those that have radical backgrounds and those that have been possibly just your average person that has no significant thing to say that would be wrong or wrong Impacted within their life that they, they could have done every other thing right. I want every variety in between. And the truth is the radical converts are the ones that can truly impact a congregation, that can truly impact a, a, a church. Sometimes it's giving us the opportunity to focus on someone else other than ourselves. And, and Jesus is the one that has bored our sins. And as it says in 1 Peter 2.24, for for himself bore our sins in his his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now this healing, we normally think of this as strictly a physical healing when we talk about this verse, but it's not. It's a complete healing healing. And that was one of the things that I took, uh, took aside from our Bible study when uh, reviewing the, the section on Jesus, is that we, we know people that are the Mr. Fix-It. And the truth is that Jesus is the true Mr. Fix-It for us. He knows exactly what to do to fix our hearts. And one of the people we can cry out to when we don't know how to fix the situations of our lives or even the situation of another person that we would want to help, we can cry out to God and He's the one that has the ability to heal all things. And the reason why He has such an impact and such a power is because He's the one that first suffered on the cross. He has authority over all flesh. There's nothing that He has not conquered. He's conquered sin. He's conquered hell. He's conquered the grave. So there's no limit to His ability just like each of us, we know somebody in the physical here on the earth that can fix almost anything you hand them. They can fix it. And Jesus, in the same way, can fix us. Because I know that we are more than able to become broken. We know how to break things. And that's one of the things that, that I've always uh, thought of as far more powerful is not the ability to break Something. But to fix it, or to heal it, or to create it, this is one of the things that I attribute to God as one of the most miraculous things: is that He was able to to make everything that's here on this earth and beyond to create it. So He has such an, an immense power. In you know, the, in the world we think of power being to, the ability to destroy, but the true power lies in the ability to, to fix, to heal. The things that are broken. And lastly, I want to move on to one more one more portion here, and that's in the healing. Sometimes we first have to do our own part. Sometimes we have someone that has offended us, and they don't know. Sometimes we need to go to them. And there's a whole list of those things that are appropriate within the Bible, and it talks about first going them to yourself, and then going with some witnesses, and. And sometimes even if that doesn't work, it's time to lay it at God's feet, lay it at Jesus' feet, the offense which has beset us, which has tormented us many times. Because I know sometimes it comes down where the offense that has already happened replays in our mind over and over and over and over again. Sometimes we don't think of it affecting anyone else but ourselves. But if it was only ourselves no one else would have known. And the truth is, people can tell when there's something wrong. It's because people wear it on their sleeve. I think of these young children, especially with the recent babies in the church. When they're happy and you're giving them attention, they light up. Immediate, big old smiles of every variety. Some of them are easily offended by just you tensing changing one baby to another. And it's hilarious to watch. I actually kind of find it funny. But that's the same way that we with God, when His attention is on us, we light up. We are happy. And Sometimes we can be offended when God's attention goes to someone else. There's one more person in the Bible that I thought of in all of this. And that's Job. The Bible says that he was an upright and righteous man. That he didn't have something wrong, then God himself allowed Satan to, to come against him. So sometimes there's good people that will have bad things come to them, and it's not because they did something wrong. Many of us, we inherently think that these bad things that come to another person are because of the things that they did wrong. And even even in the book of Job, all his friends start saying it must be something, he must have had something else, it must be secret, it must be hidden sin, this that the other thing. And and Job got to a point where he he was sorrowful for even his own life. But I thank God for the latter portion of Job, not just the the trial that he went through. If we be honest, I I want nothing to do with that kind of trial, but um The latter portion is that God blessed him even more than in the beginning for things that were taken away from him. And those are one of the things that I believe for a church as a whole is that sometimes there's things that come against a church and even if they hadn't done something wrong there would be tough times. But I believe God is there watching, paying attention and he's a part of it and he's able to bless In the latter, far more than what was lost. That's true for us individually, and it's true for us corporately. And that God has the ability to completely change the tide, turn on a moment of time. And I know one of the things that we need to do to be a part of that is that we have to have our own hearts right. We have to process the offenses, we have to remove the bitterness from our own hearts that it not affect another. And that all comes back to the most vulnerable among us, the young, the new convert, even your children that are in your home listening to the words you speak, whether it be a little three-year-old or whether that be an adult child, it doesn't matter. The words that we speak are spirit, and they convey the spirit that's in us. I remember one of the early things that was told to me as far as my marriage. I was warned by a wise man that said, never speak quickly when you're angry. And I know for me personally that has worked well. Sometimes my wife doesn't appreciate it when I don't speak, but the truth is it is better to not speak than to speak something you regret. And that's free for every variety of person in here. And it's good advice. Because an unbridled tongue is a very bad thing, just as the Bible would say. Now I lost my place, but that's okay. So um, in the home, again, oh, in the home. So in the home with our children, sometimes we've already affected them and sometimes we will need to make amends even for the things we unintentionally brought to them sometimes we have to say we're sorry even with my own children there was times where I've had to apologize to them you know I'm sorry I really shouldn't have um, talked about this or that or whatever it might be in front of you I'm sorry that's not something that you should be concerned with whether it be big or small doesn't matter Just sometimes we have to bring the healing to them because sometimes the, Especially with the young, this is true in new converts of any age, this is true with our own children. Sometimes they need help to get over the offense because they will take the offense far greater than we will. It's no different than any relationship. Just in all the different examples that I gave, the individual person will be able to get over their offense far easier than all the people they talk to and all the people they tell. And the one person that I know that we can talk to every time, regardless of what offense that has been brought to us, against us, through us, or acted upon us, is we can bring that to God each time. Because we have the ability to pray to Him, we have the ability to lay it at His feet, because He's the one that is the true, right, and just judge. Because I thank God that He did not squash me like a bug many times for the mistakes of my youth. And even the mistakes I've made throughout the years, I'm glad that he has not just quickly obliterated me for my decisions that that I regretted. I know for each of us, if we were honest to ourselves, that we all have different things that we wish we didn't do. Whether it be big or small, whether it be something you bought or didn't buy, it doesn't matter. There's something we wish we didn't do. And I'm thankful that God is slow to wrath. And he's long-suffering towards us I'm thankful that he is each one of these things, but he also calls us to be Christ-like individually. So he calls each one of us to be slow, to jump to that judgment, slow to act out a judgment on another person too quickly. He calls us to be long-suffering. He calls us to be patient I know there's some of us here that have, that have prayed for your children or family members or another for many years for them to come to their own, to their own salvation. It's for their benefit. I know my, even my wife with, with her father, she's poured out herself that he could live, literally. Not just spiritually, I mean, literally physically poured herself out. That he could live, literally breathe. Breathe. And we don't always see everything we want to see when we sometimes sacrificially invest in a person. That's true of every person of every variety. It's true of Jesus. He's poured out his life for each one of us. He doesn't always see exactly what he wants to see in every person, but he's long-suffering. He's there. He's waiting for the opportunity. One of the things that it, that impressed me for many, many years is that he, he truly is the, the, the father of the prodigal son. He's there eagerly awaiting for the opportunity to forgive. He's not holding it against us. He's not bitter towards us. He's quite the opposite. He's eager for the opportunity. With that, I'll have every head bowed for a few moments in respect for those around you. Like I was just saying, Jesus has already poured out His life for each of us. And if you are in this place and you don't know what that means and you don't understand it, it's simple. To me, at least, it's simple. But to you, it can be put this way is that Jesus paid the price for everything we've ever done wrong. He paid the price unto death. He laid down His life so that the things that we had done wrong can be forgiven. He didn't do it with conditions. He didn't say, if you do this, then I'll do it. Nope. He did it without conditions. And He did it. He's not bitter towards us. He's not bitter at all. He's quite the opposite. Like I was just saying, He's eagerly awaiting the opportunity to forgive you. Regardless of where we come from, regardless of where we've been, regardless of the situations in our lives, He wants that opportunity. And if, and if you'd be in this place and you'd want to take advantage of the opportunity that Jesus Christ has paid for with His own life to pay for our sins, to pay for the punishment that each one of us rightly deserves, if you're in this place, if you could raise your hand, an uplifted hand, to signify that you would want to receive that forgiveness, and for the rest of us if you are already a Christian God calls us to be like him we first have to receive the healing from him for us to even have that ability he first has to fix us and I know we don't even if we had once accepted Jesus we might need another fixing I know the car that I drive doesn't stay fixed gets miles on it it gets worn down and sometimes it gets to the point where it's broken down and it can't be used for its intended purpose and when it gets to that point it needs help it needs a mechanic it needs parts that it cannot provide from itself so for each of us if sometimes we did something deliberate that, that broke us sometimes it had nothing to do with us Sometimes it might have been that you chose to walk away. For those, it might be what they would call a backslider, and you would want to return to this point where Jesus could fix you even yet again. And just like the broken cars, they get fixed over and over and over again. And if. And if you would want to receive that forgiveness, if you if, if you would want to rededicate your life, if you'd want to allow Jesus to fix you yet again, if you could signify that just with an uplifted hand, I won't hold this long. Then lastly, there's preventative maintenance for those that that are Christians, they haven't fallen away. We need to maintain our relationship with Jesus. And for those that are in that position, all the more, not just for ourselves, but for everyone else that we would come in contact with, that God would call us to, to help them in their time of need, to help them get through the offense that has come to them, to help them when they need it most, lest they fall away. I'm going to open these altars that... If you're a Christian and you want to come and pray and God has spoken to you about one of these things, come to this place and speak with him because he's the the great physician. He's the one that can heal. He's the one that can repair that which is broken.
0: Show me